We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me today, Will Jackson. And Will, we just saw a legendary performance from Kevin Durant. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Got the Nets the dub in Game 5. Now a 3-2 series lead over the Bucks. How are we feeling, Will? He is the best player on the planet. I don't think there's any debate at this point. Best player left in the playoffs for sure. But best player on the planet, I mean, we see him do things with the basketball that we've never seen anybody do before. He's a seven-foot Steph Curry at this point. Defensively, he was awesome all game too. It's just the things that he did to carry us to this game. Obviously, we'll talk about Jeff Green later on. But the things that Kevin Durant did in this game to lead the Nets to the win – for sure, in my opinion, probably the best playoff game in Nets history. And I know that they've been to the finals a couple of times in, in the early 2000s, but by far the best game that I've ever watched as a Nets fan. Yeah, I mean, the best performance, you know, Kyrie Irving goes down in game four, has the ankle sprain, looks like we probably won't see him the rest of the series. James Harden, you know, guts it out and plays tonight, probably looks like 70%, 50% of himself, whatever you want to say. Not fully James Harden. Other guys are struggling. Kevin Durant literally put the team on his back and got the W. People are saying this is going to be a legacy, a legacy game for Kevin Durant. Well, he sure the hell stepped up. And like you said, Will, best player on planet Earth. I don't know about the rest of the galaxy, but on planet Earth, KD is the best <laughs> player. You just saw a performance for the ages. I mean, to the degree in which he was hitting shots, the shots he was hitting, and the way they were dropping. Like, we talked about this before we hopped on. Like, he barely touched the rim tonight on a lot of those shots. It was just insane. We're going to jump into that in plenty more, but you can always find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But I guess let's continue with Kevin Durant, uh, Will. What was the moment in this game where you're like, wow, like, I think Kevin Durant is just going to be in legend mode tonight? It was the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, when he hit two mid-range jumpers in a row. And you could kind of just see the look in his eyes. The Bucks starting to get scared. And at that point, I think it was decreased to about a one-point game. And, and you're just like, okay, Kevin Durant is locked in and the Nets are winning this game. And for me, that's all I needed to see. I mean, I had no doubt tonight that if the game was relatively close, he'd be playing all 48 minutes. And that's exactly what happened. But for him to play all 48 minutes, shoot 70% from the field, right? Obviously, we know Katie's a super efficient player, but he's not a career 70% shooter. This was an elite game for him, even for his standards, 49 points. It, you just, you had a feeling it was coming with how he's kind of been playing for the 
first uh, four games of the series. But tonight it was just on another level. That's a great point, Will. 48 minutes. This guy did not take a single second to rest in this game. Uh, incredible trust from Steve Nash to trust Kevin Durant. Obviously, he's coming off the hamstring and the torn Achilles the previous uh, two previous seasons ago. So you look at that, and Katie was out here, and like you said, efficiency was insane. 16 to 23 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 13 to 16 from the free throw line, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Was the Nets' best defender tonight. I mean, you really can't ask for more from a player in a playoff performance in the competition in which he faced. Like, we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, probably one of the most talented teams on the defensive side of the ball, and they really had no answer for Kevin Durant. I think there could have been a few other adjustments for them, but at the end of the day, Giannis, Middleton, Tucker, Lopez, it didn't really matter. The ball was going in the bucket if Kevin Durant was shooting it. To be fair, not many teams have a game plan for Kevin Durant. Not yep. many teams have ever had success guarding Kevin Durant, especially in the playoffs. And you know what? You could say that the Bucks did their best. They definitely didn't. I think Mike Budenholzer definitely needs to make a lot of adjustments for game uh, game six coming up on what is it, Th- Tuesday? Thursday. So game on Thursday. But I, I, just for now, I don't think that Kevin Durant – I literally do not think that Kevin Durant is guardable unless you double or even triple team him at this point. Yeah, especially, and I think this is a point to bring up, and this is a difference in the game, the officiating. In Game 3 and Game 4, we saw P.J. Tucker be able to do whatever he physically wanted into the point in which after Game 4, Steve Nash said, you know, P.J. Tucker is doing things that are not basketball plays on the court. We saw him get a couple more whistles in this game. I think P.J., and I think also the Nets made an adjustment to an extent of giving Kevin Durant the ball at the top of the key a little bit more, giving him that space to operate. Fouls are a little bit more clear, and KD could get him a little bit more off balance. But also another big aspect, Aspect of tonight's game for Kevin Durant, 10 assists. Like, he he dropped some dimes in here. We're going to talk about the 49 points. We're going to talk about the huge shots, including that fourth quarter one where he had the double pump that saved James Harden's life. But the 10 assists really popped. Some of those dimes were incredible. And a lot of them to Jeff Green. And let's, let's dive into <laughs> Jeff Green for a second here because he, this was definitely his best game as a net, and he's had some good moments before. So best games of his seven, career. <laughs> yeah, 7 of 8 from 3. He started out 6 of 6 from 3. I mean, he's, what, 34, 35 years old at this point. He's still producing at an elite level in the playoffs. It's amazing what the Nets have gotten out of him for a minimum for minimum contract. I'm, I'm so glad he's on this team. And, you know, for him to come in at, at his age and play 35 minutes in the playoff game and put up this efficiency, it's exactly what the Nets needed tonight. You knew coming into this game it couldn't just be Kevin Durant because you knew James Harden wasn't going to be 100%. You knew they didn't have Kyrie. You know Joe Harris has been in the slump recently. You know Blake Griffin isn't Blake Griffin anymore. You know you needed one of, like, Jeff Green or Landry Shamit or Nick Claxton to step up. And Jeff Green did exactly that for the Nets, providing – some elite offensive talent. Yeah, and not to even mention, he's still dealing with that foot injury. You know what I mean? That's a painful thing. And like you said, 8 of 11 from the field, 7 of 8 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, you know, one rebound, three assists, 27 points. And I just thought the fact he closed the game and he played solid defense on Giannis, you know, a couple possessions led to a steals, got him at the free throw line, which obviously he doesn't shoot well. Jeff Green really did a good job of keeping the nets in the game for the first three quarters while Kevin Durant was somewhat pacing himself. You could kind of get the vibe early on that Katie wasn't going full out in that first quarter. And the fact they had Jeff Green come in, Knocked down a couple threes. And I also love the fact that as soon as he got in the game, he tried to attack the rim. You know, the first time Giannis got the block, whatever. Next play, Brooke Lopez gets the foul. Two free throws for Jeff Green. And I think that makes a difference. And it just makes the Bucs defense have to react a little bit more. And they've really been missing that guy. You know, like Kevin Durant obviously can do it, but you're asking him to do a million other things. They really needed a strong roller that can actually attack the rim. You know, Bruce Brown can do it with the floater game, but that's a little inconsistent. Jeff Green does it with a little bit more pop and power. 
Yeah, and I feel like a lot of his plays, a lot of his baskets in this game were momentum plays, and that's yep. huge in the playoffs. It felt like as soon as he hit a three, it kind of sparked the entire Nets team to get it going, especially on the defensive end. Good offense leads to good defense. Good defense leads to good offense, and it felt like he was just one of those players that as soon as you know you saw that three go down, the crowd goes wild. The crowd was amazing tonight. You could yep. tell on TV that the crowd was just going wild tonight, but you could tell as soon as Jeff Green touched the ball and typed the entire team up, and he made some big momentum shots in this game, and it really led to the Nets winning this one. Yeah, I mean, shout out to him. Shout out to Sean Marks for getting him for the contract he's on. <laughs> An incredible game. I thought also Blake Griffin was pretty solid. He had a couple big momentum plays in here as well. You know, 17 points, 7-11 from the field, 3-6 from 3, 3 rebounds. Um, you know, the Bucks did attack him a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. But overall, I thought a couple of those threes from Blake were good in the extent of, like, kind of keeping the nets within range. He also had a couple nice rolls to the rim. And then throwing the fact he was trash-talking P.J. Tucker at the end of the game. I think every <laughs> Nets fan loves that. <laughs> Every Nets fan loves when Blake Griffin speaks up. We need we need guys like that. You know, yep. Tyler Johnson's on the bench the whole game, so he can't be the only one talking. We need someone on the court like that. But Blake Griffin, it's really he's really surprised me throughout this course of the season. I didn't think that he'd turn into the player that he's become, especially after watching him for so long in LA and what he did there. And I didn't I'll be honest, I didn't watch him that much in Detroit. But uh, it's just, I mean, him playing the center position, playing very solid defense against Giannis this series, his three-point shooting has been better than I thought it would be as, as a Brooklyn Net, especially, to, you know, in, in the playoffs. He's just kind of been what the Nets needed at the center position, someone who can at least challenge Giannis at the rim, someone who can knock down a couple threes when you need it. He's kind of just been that that ideal stretch five for the Nets, not someone that you're relying on necessarily to, you know, put up 25 points in the game and 17 rebounds or whatever like Kevin Durant did tonight, but someone who can at least be a very solid role player at, at, at the five position. And that's exactly yep. what he is. Add some different elements to the offense. Also love the fact he's com comfortable dribbling the basketball, dribble handoffs, passing, kind of gives you a little bit more. But like you said, matches the physicality. I thought that's huge. You know, you need someone to bang with Giannis. You know, we were at game two. We were lucky enough to see that live. Yep. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> provides some of that impact that you see. So, you know, Blake's really fit into his role. I thought he played very well tonight. Hopefully they can get another nice performance from in game six. But I guess let's talk James Harden, who's been obviously in the news for the last 48 yeah. hours. It went from out to doubtful to questionable till he's telling the Nets essentially that he's going to play. <laughs> James Harden played 46 minutes, did not play his best basketball, but he def definitely provided somewhat of a morale spark for the team just being out there and giving Kevin Durant another ball handler to alleviate some of that load. I almost feel bad saying any James Harden slander tonight just because he clearly was not himself. He was not James Harden. The Nets did yep. not have James Harden on the floor tonight. The Nets had someone who was a shell of James Harden. He was taking the shots that James Harden normally takes, OV from three, which, you know, that can't happen in a playoff game. But I totally respect the effort that he put in tonight, and I admire him for being able to at least go out there and prove to his teammates, hey, I'm here for a championship, and if we win a championship, it's going to be because the way that I play, the way that KD plays, and I have to be on the floor if this team is going to win. Because we saw how this team played in game three and four without him. I mean, game one and two was a different story, but we saw what happened in game three and four. They were clearly missing him. Uh, and, and now that Kyrie goes down, the Nets definitely had, I don't think they had a shot tonight if James Harden isn't on the floor. Even as like a um, a deterrent for the Bucks, someone that they just have to think about a little bit more, even if yep. he's not hitting his shots. I think that's important, especially when playing with Kevin Durant. And then his playmaking. His playmaking was still fine tonight, right? He had, let me see, seven assists, I think. Eight, eight uh, assists. 
eight assists tonight, seven rebounds. His playmaking has been fine. He had a couple good rebounds. It's just it, offensively, it was not the game for him. But still, a ton of respect for him. I, I, I completely admire him going out there and basically risking his hamstring, another hamstring injury. But uh, it just not offensively, not what you want to see from him. Yeah, I mean, incredible that he played 46 minutes. It's like in, insane. But I think to an extent, the reason that it's not as surprising is like you kind of said, like he wasn't himself. He wasn't explosive. He wasn't sprinting. He wasn't putting a ton of pressure on that hamstring. You know, like he pretty much, like you said, shot eight threes, wasn't really getting to the rim, wasn't really driving, but still provided that ball handler, someone who could facilitate the offense and allow Kevin Durant to run some things off ball so he didn't necessarily have to do everything. I thought defensively as a game, progressed you know the Bucks started to attack him a little bit more it'll be interesting to see how he reacts in game six and you know how that hamstring's doing can he get a little bit of offensive rhythm is he going to move better or the net's going to rest him I'm not really sure but like you I said I'll, they're going to rest him at this point I don't think he would allow it to be honest just based <laughs> off if you're playing 46 minutes on a bad hamstring I mean there's it's hard not to love a player that does that you know like you said you literally sacrifice his body for the team for the fans to win a championship and it paid off you know, like, and, and yep. I didn't play a huge game. He didn't have a one of the best games of his career, probably one of the worst games of his career. But I don't think we win without him tonight. A hundred percent. I think, you know, no disrespect, but those minutes, those 46 minutes are replaced by Mike James. And even as bad as James Harden played, Mike James cannot do what James Harden does for an offense. So it was huge. And I think, honestly, I anticipate him playing better in the next game just from a jump shooting perspective. Yeah, no, he's been out for, what, almost a week and a half now? Yep. And, and when you go that long without taking any shots in the NBA, you're bound to be a little rusty. And you got Drew Holiday up your ass then. You know, exactly. it's a little bit tougher, too. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I totally expect, you know, game six, James Harden, I, I think he will be better. While we're on Mike James for a second, because we just mentioned him, I want to give a shout-out to Steve Nash for making the adjustment. He put Mike James in there to get a little bit of playmaking early on in the I think it was the second quarter, and it just wasn't working. And I feel like we've seen Steve Nash just stick with Mike James in those situations when he doesn't necessarily have another option. But he just went straight back to James Harden in that situation. Yep. And I thought that was a great adjustment because Mike James, look, he, he was playing in Russia two months ago. Yep. Uh, there's not much more. He does not belong on an NBA playoff court. I sent out a tweet that, hey, I'm not going to – I'm not really going to slander Mike James this much. All I'm going to say is that he shouldn't be on the floor right now because he's not, you know – an NBA playoff level player. And Steve Nash realized that and he went right back to James Harden, even on the hamstring, even leaving him in for the rest of the game. So shout out to Steve Nash for that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, and honestly, and I think if Harden couldn't go, I don't think Mike James is going to get the minutes. I think it'd probably be more Landry Shamit, who I honestly thought played maybe one of his better games of the series. I just thought his intensity was up a little bit more. You know, three of five, drove to the rim a little bit. You know, I thought his defense just was just a little bit more aggressive than we've seen some of the other games. He did have that one bad play in the beginning on Forbes where he got a little bit caught up on the screen. But after that, you know, not a ton of negative Shamit plays. So credit to him because... He wasn't amazing, but he played a role in which helped the team win. Yeah, and when you have – he didn't shoot amazing tonight. He shot – well, 3-5 is actually pretty good, but 1-3 of three from 3. When when you have Joe Harris struggling like he did and you need someone to come in and kind of fill in the Joe Harris role, if Landry Shamet is going, he's someone that the Nets have to rely on. And, and tonight he proved that – he didn't even shoot that well from 3 tonight, but he proved that he can at least be a player on the floor in the playoffs this postseason. Agreed. I think that's a big step, too, obviously, with Kyrie Irving being out. And I think you want to see Shamit be a little bit more confident, too. We saw the drive to the rim. We saw the mid-range pull-up. Those are some elements that might be available to him, especially when the Bucks are going to put their lesser defender on Shamit. There might be some more openings on the court, specifically with how the Bucks are going to probably look to guard Kevin Durant in Game 6. Yeah, I feel like in Game 6, we're going to see a lot of double teams. Maybe the Bucks will finally put Giannis on KD. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. It's probably going to be more P.J. Tucker, and that's going to be a recipe for disaster for them. But if they want to do it, I will happily sit back and watch that. But no, it's going to be probably, like we said, this game, this series doesn't just rely on KD and James Harden. It relies on the guys around them. And when, especially when you have Joe Harris shooting like he has tonight and has how he has this series, you need someone else to step up. And it would be great to see someone like Landry step up in game six. Yeah, and they just need the three-point shooting in the spacing perspective. And no disrespect to Joe Harris, who's just been playing horrible. Uh, Four of 23, if I'm doing math quickly in my head, if I remember the stats from the previous three games, you know, four of 23 in the last three games from three. Just really, I don't know what it is. I think it's just a mental block, mental, you know, hurdle for him to get over. He's just not playing well. You saw a couple threes uh, splashed in there that weren't even shots that he typically takes. You know, had that air ball, I think, at the end of the third quarter. Two of 11 from the field in general, five points, one assist, three rebounds. You know, defense is hit or miss for him. You know, if he gets beat, he's pretty much done. But if he can get his positioning, it's not too bad. So it's tough. Yeah, I mean, game, I think it was game three when he let Drew Holiday just drive right by him. That that pissed me off so much. He went for a steal, which was pretty bad. But uh, Joe Harris, and, and this is what's so frustrating, is that we've seen him grow from, uh, and you know, a, a guy who was waived by the Cleveland Cavaliers, signed by the Nets to being, you know, a three-point shootout champion, someone who's led the NBA in three-point percentage twice now. We know what he can do as Nets fans, and we've seen him grow, and it's great to finally see him get this chance to play with the Stars and play with the best team in Nets history and to see him just go out there in a, in a game like this or this whole series and play like he's playing. It's, it's so disappointing because you know how hard he's worked for this moment, and I, and I have confidence that he'll be able to pick it up at some point. But for right now, it's just really, really frustrating. It feels like he's kind of just in his own head a lot. Only five points tonight, two of 11 from the field. Just he needs to pick it up. He, he really just, I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and you know, if Joe plays average in game three, the series is already over. We're looking at a gentleman yeah. sweep. The Nets win game three. It is what it is. I mean, you know, guys are going to shoot bad, but it's just rare to see somebody who's so good at shooting the basketball from three-point range. You know, a guy <laughs> that shot, you know, 50% from three is just struggling to the highest extent. And so I mentioned he had some bad looks, but he had a lot of really, really clean looks that he just typically always nails. Yep. It's If he can get it going for game six. Especially games, at home, by the way. Yeah, 100%. Especially at home. 
Because I saw a split today that he's shooting like under 35% from three on the road this postseason, but over 50% from three at home this postseason. But now all of a sudden, even at home, he's shooting one to seven from three, just super frustrating. Yeah, the Nets, I don't know if you can get him any cleaner looks because the threes have been great, like I mentioned. I think it's maybe trying to get him some more layups, and maybe that'll help kind of get him going. But he blew up a layup in this game, too. So if they can get production out of Joe Harris in game six, you know, potentially game seven, I think that's a huge factor. Hopefully and that's just, not game seven. Yeah, hopefully not game seven. Uh, it would just alleviate a lot of pressure because then it allows you to just run a si- simple pick and pop with, you know, Kevin Durant and Joe Harris if they're running that double. And now all of a sudden, you know, Joe Harris is getting wide open looks. And that's something that you want to generate for your offense. It's definitely hampered them without the luxury of having a Kyrie Irving who obviously can create offense out of nothing. Now you have to rely a little bit more on the ball movement, the passing, and different things, which is fine, but guys have to hit shots, and that wasn't always the case tonight, other than Kevin Durant. Yeah, and and one more thing that I'll say on Joe Harris is I feel like when he gets affected offensively, he gets affected defensively, and tonight definitely not his best defensive performance either. He tries to do a little bit too much defensively, I think, sometimes when he is having these bad offensive games and trying to, like, get the steal or make that extra play where, you know, that's just not his game. and That's just not something you really do. But moving yeah. on from Joe Harris, you know, Bruce Brown didn't see a ton of minutes in this game. 13 minutes, 1 of 5 from the field, 0 oh, 1 from 3. Um, you know, just not a great game for Bruce. And we kind of talked about it a little bit in the previous podcast. The Bucks have kind of done a good job of eliminating him. And really just, like, if he's not making his floater, he really can't play. Yeah, and I like the adjustment. Steve Nash took him out early because he was really struggling in that first half. And I, I think he came back in the second half. I don't remember yep. exactly. He played a couple minutes in the second. He played a little bit in the fourth quarter, I believe. Okay, but but pretty much when the Nets were making their big comeback, I don't think he was on – he wasn't taking shots at least. But, yep. no, I, it just, I like the adjustment that Steve Nash made early, seeing Bruce Brown wasn't working, putting in Landry Shamit. Um, Bruce Brown, he's great when he's great, but he's not fun to watch when he's – when he's off and tonight was kind of one of those nights where you know floater's not hitting there's nothing much else he can do yeah it definitely just allows the bucks to have another element another cushion to kind of help off of you know okay now we can shut down kevin durant a little bit easier we have landry shaman and joe harris now we're getting floor spacing even though those guys aren't hitting shots you know they're still going to get more respect from the defense than bruce brown who really hasn't even been defended by a bucks player at different points in the series yeah no and it's definitely I'm not going to say he's unplayable because his defense has been solid and his rebounding is, is super valuable to this team. But just offensively, you really wanted to see you really want to see him hit those floaters because that's when that's when this team gets super dangerous because you can have him hitting the floaters, you could have Joe in the corner, you could have James Harden on the ball. But just when when Bruce Brown is not hitting, it's just there's nothing much you can do with him. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. I think it's just, you know, it's a coaching adjustment and something you'll see as the series kind of progress and the different elements in which the Nets have on the floor. Like I mentioned, it's another player. It's easier to play when you have an offensive weapon in Kyrie Irving. But, Will, what do you think about Nick Claxton only playing a minute and 40 seconds in this game? Well, the Nets won, so I can't do too much complaining. But but um, I, I wish, look, so Je- Jeff Green closed. And I think with Jeff Green closing and having KD on the floor and um, was Blake on the floor in those minutes too? Remind uh, me? No, they actually went small and closed with Jeff at center. And it worked. So, I mean, yep. you can't complain that much. But I think Nick Claxton, he had a couple good moments in games one through four, but he wasn't anything, you know, to write home about. Um, I think I'd still like to have seen him a little bit more. But with Jeff Green closing and with the way Jeff Green was playing, we didn't necessarily need him. And I feel like if the Nets need Nick Claxton, it's going to be defensively. And I feel like the Nets did a solid job defending the Bucks this game, especially. Um, 
especially in the second half, right? Yep. In the first half, it kind of felt like the Bucks were getting everything inside, but in the second half, it was just it was it was almost just an effort thing with the Nets, right? They yep. picked it up. Jeff Green played a lot better. Blake Griffin played a lot better in the paint, defending Giannis. Um, and, and if we're playing like that, we don't need him. And I think that's exactly what happened tonight. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Will. I think if the offense is cooking, it's easier to play Will uh, Will Claxton, Nick Claxton, uh, more. If the offense, I would happily be Will Claxton one day. <laughs> if uh, the offense is struggling, it's a little harder to put Claxton out there because obviously his offensive game isn't very polished at this point. I'd be intrigued to see if Game Six if we get a little bit more Claxton and Harden running that pick and roll. You know, obviously Harden mm-hmm. hasn't been as effective, but I think the floater's a little bit easier shot than necessarily having to be well, explosive and get to the rim. I think in order to do that, James Harden needs to be able to drive because what makes that play so yep. dangerous is James Harden's floater. Yep. And when he gets inside, because the defense doesn't know, is he just going to float in or is he going to lob to Claxton? But when he has this hamstring injury, he doesn't really have that choice, right? Yep. He can't even drive as, as well as he normally does. So I feel like that was definitely an impact in those minutes tonight. A hundred percent. I think I'd like to see some more um, side angle pick and rolls, not from the top of the key, more, you know, working from the baseline, because I feel like Harden looked a little bit more comfortable over there. And I think it's a little bit easier shot off glass where you don't even have to do the floater. It's kind of more of a push shot, but intrigued to see what type of adjustments we see. It was nice, too, to kind of see the Nets play a little bit bigger at different points in the series. You know, we saw some Kevin Durant, Jeff Green and Blake Griffin. I think that allows you to match the physicality and then you switch it up and go small with Jeff Green at the five. You're just playing different styles of basketball and it's putting more pressure on the Bucks to make adjustments and work on the rotations. And I thought that was and, a nice move from Steve Nash. And at the end of the day, you're just showing them so many different looks. And, yep. and when you're facing a team like the Nets, who have so many, even without Kyrie Irving, have so many different offensive weapons, when the Nets are switching up so many different looks on you and so many different sets on you, it's hard to get a true grasp of what they're going to do. And it's, it gets really hard to defend. Even if you're an elite defensive team like the Bucks. we've seen them get exposed a couple of times in the series so far. Yep, especially when the Nets are moving the ball well and obviously hitting shots, but um, just overall, just a really incredible performance, too. And I think it's important to note that, you know, the Nets were down, what, 17 at one point in this game. And that was, I believe, in the third quarter. So it easily could have went sour. We saw them going that big. I think it was a 17 to 5 run, won that third quarter, I believe, 38 to 28. In the fourth quarter, they just made all the plays, and it felt like they started to get some of that mental edge on the Bucks again, in which we saw after Game 2. You know, Game 3 was just a struggle for both teams, but maybe this is something the Nets can carry going into Game 6, where it's like, hey, we can beat this team, and we know we can, and we didn't even play our best basketball other than Kevin Durant and Jeff Green. And honestly, besides Kevin Durant, I think the Nets' biggest advantage in the series has been coaching. Yeah. And coming into this series, right, you, you thought, all right, Steve Nash is a rookie head coach. At least Mike Budenholzer has playoff experience. No, Mike Budenholzer has been one of the biggest reasons that the Bucks have lost three games in this series and are possibly about to lose, you know, this series without James Harden and Kyrie Irving playing the majority of this series. I mean, the, the things that he tries to send against Kevin Durant and the thing that he tries to do on offense playing the Nazis on Antetokounmpo for whatever <laughs> reason, uh, it just it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it really doesn't. Giannis should have played more than 41 minutes tonight. P.J. Tucker should have gotten more. It, it just it doesn't make sense what he's doing. And, I, I mean, I definitely feel like his days in Milwaukee are numbered. But I just feel like it's been such an advantage for the Nets that at times it feels like Mike Budenholzer is the youngest coach in the NBA or the worst coach in the NBA. 
Yeah, he really is stubborn to the extent of kind of sticking with what has worked for him in the past instead of adjusting on the fly and I think trying some unique unique things. I mean, for me, I think there's a whole bunch of different elements and, and things that have worked for the Bucks in this series. Where obviously, we're not a Bucks podcast. We're not going to jump into right. that. But there's been sets in which they've run where they've had success and the Nets really haven't had an answer. And you even saw at different points in this game, you know, the Nets were switching for a little bit and that's not something to do early on. So it's like... You know, the Bucks kind of get away with what's from working. I'm not complaining about it. And they kind of let the Nets right. back in the game. And then by the time they do, the Nets have too much momentum and it's over. And, you know, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, excellent player. You know, always praise him on the NBA outlet. Not going to do that on the Brooklyn Buzz. <laughs> but I think something that the Nets have taken advantage of is, like, Giannis has some really bad decision-making. You know, it's popped yep. up at different times in this game. Especially with the... shot-making. Yep. Shot I think that. There's a and it's not even just him too because I'll give another example. Drew Holiday had a one-on-one with Kevin Durant. Giannis had Joe Harris on him in the post, and Drew tried to take KD one-on-one instead of just throwing the ball to Giannis against Joe Harris, who obviously is at a huge disadvantage against Antetokounmpo. And it just kind of screams what the Bucks have done a lot during the series. Yeah, it feels like once the Bucks get past ten seconds left in the shot clock, it's kind of just like a, a free-for-all yep. with whoever has the ball in their hands especially with Giannis, Drew, and Chris, it kind of just feels like they don't call a play. They're just kind of like, all right, let's go ISO against who's ever on me right now. Let's not, you know, let me not try to get the ball on the best shooter or the best playmaker right now. I'm just going to take a, a turnaround jumper, and, and it doesn't work for them. And, yep. and it feels like maybe that's – it's not even lack of experience at this point because this is, you know, they've made the Eastern Conference Finals before. It's just I – don't, I don't know what to say. It just doesn't make sense, but I'm certainly not complaining about it from a Nets perspective. Yeah, I think they lack that true floor general, but – I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen in game six. Obviously, there's a ton of different storylines. You know, how does Kevin Durant, you know, back up this performance? Obviously, it'd be asking a ton for him to play 48 minutes and drop 49 points again. I think he'll still have another great game, depending on how they allow P.J. Tucker to either tackle him or not tackle him while they're in Milwaukee. But I'm intrigued, too, by what to expect from James Harden game six. What are you thinking, Will? I am hopeful that he shoots better. You can't shoot. You literally cannot shoot worse from three than he did in this game. So if there's one positive that I can take from that is that he will not shoot worse from three next game, right? Yeah. But other than that, look, his playmaking is what's going to win us this series if we do win this series. And that's all I'm going to ask for him right now because I know that he's hurting and I know you, we saw it. We saw that he did not look the same tonight. So I'm not going to go out there and ask him to put up 30 points, 15 rebounds, 20 assists like he's done in the past. What I'm going to ask him to do is just go out there, don't shoot all of eight from three again, and just, you know. Run the offense. Don't even be James. Yeah, just run the offense. Call plays. Get get the ball in Kevin Durant's hands. Get the ball in Blake Griffin's hands. Get good looks for Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Landry Shamit. You know, maybe Nick Claxton plays a little more, get some good looks for him. And all of a sudden, the Nets offense, is, it looks like the most beautiful offense of all time, like it does so often. That's all I'm going to ask for him. And defensively, I thought that he was, even with his hamstring injury, I thought he was solid tonight defensively. Do that again in game six. That's all we're going to ask of him. We don't need him to be Superman right now because we literally have the best player in the world on our team. I think that's a great point, Will. I think you don't need James Harden to do too much, just do enough. And I think you anticipate some of the other role players stepping up and alleviating some of that pressure from Kevin Durant. I think James Harden... 
the Nets should probably do a better job of trying to protect him a little bit more defensively, especially when he's out in the perimeter. That's where he really struggled. But in the post, Mm -hmm. he had a couple solid possessions on Giannis. Like, I thought his defense on Giannis wasn't really bad. Obviously, we know the feud that those two guys have. It also feels like in this game, you saw some of the bad blood start to pick up. You know, obviously, there were some incidents previously. Kevin Durant, P.J. Tucker, to end this game, we had Blake Griffin and P.J. Tucker talking. It looked like Blake called him a bitch. Yeah, and called him a bitch again. Giannis kind of wrapped up Kevin Durant a little hard at the end of the game. KD did not like that either. So I would anticipate a little bit more uh, tenacity between these two teams in game six. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I love when things get like this. Game four of the 76ers series was you know one of my favorite memories, even though the Nets lost just because of the, the fight between Jared Dudley and Ben Simmons. But yep. I, honestly, I, I just I, I love playoff basketball. Nets fans, be grateful that you are watching the best Nets team in history right now. Kevin Durant just became the first player in playoff history to put up 45-plus points, 15-plus rebounds, and 10-plus assists. And he did it on 70% shooting in a 17-point comeback, playing all 48 minutes. I mean, these are just – these aren't even video game numbers. These are things that you just don't even think of because he's just – he's um, – He's, he's just, he's when you play my career, my career on 2K, they make you sub out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steve Nash was not making himself <laughs> out. And even on perfect, uh, you know, you get the Kevin perfect green on 2K. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just insane. Will, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, no, I, I just... Brooklyn... It, it, I just love this team. <laughs> yeah, I think that summarizes it pretty well. Obviously, love Kevin Durant for the performance he had and the player that he's been for the Nets and James Harden gutting it out for this team. Really looking forward to game six and the response we see from the Nets to back up this performance. Do we see a game seven? I'm not really sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully we don't see it like you said, Will. But always a pleasure, Will. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.